Vox Quick Hits. It's Today Explained. I'm Sean Ramos Firm. You may have noticed we took Monday off, didn't explain yesterday. That's because it was a long weekend in the United States, President's Day weekend, a weekend dedicated to Washington, Lincoln, and the rest of the guys who have held the country's highest office. And this was a President's Day weekend to remember because the United States Senate spent it concluding the second impeachment trial of the nation's 45th president, Donald John Trump. You ask what a high crime and misdemeanor is under our Constitution? That's a high crime and misdemeanor. If that's not an impeachable offense, then there is no such thing. This was history on history on history. The United States Senate, for the second time, deliberating on whether to convict the former president for wrongdoing, this time for inciting an insurrection on the United States Senate. Zach Beecham, senior correspondent at Vox, has been covering it. All in all, basically, the the narrative presented by House Democrats was one in which the president had spent months convincing people that the greatest political scandal in American history was happening, an election stolen from under their feet. We have in all swing states major infractions or outright fraud. If we are right about the fraud, Joe Biden can't be president. Then he told all of those people to gather in Washington, D.C., outside of Congress, while Congress was doing basically the last step in certifying the results of the election. The president's tweet says the protest will take place on January 6th. That's Wednesday. And the same day Congress meets to formally count the votes cast by the Electoral College. Then he gave a, an angry and violent speech in which he seemed to encourage them to take action and then literally told them to go to Capitol Hill. And we're going to cheer on our brave senators and congressmen and women. And we're probably not going to be cheering so much for some of them. Because you'll never take back our country with weakness. You have to- And then, of course, they go into the insurrection itself. And here's some of the most compelling evidence, I think, in the House manager's case. Because they showed a bunch of footage from the attack on the Capitol that's really, really harrowing, right? Including one where Senator Mitt Romney is just moments away from the mob. And I watched a, a cut of the footage that zooms in on his face. Just beneath them, the mob had already started to search for the Senate chamber. You can tell that it's Romney. You can see the concern on his face because he's, he's actually running away from these people as they're attacking. But there's also footage from the attackers in this talking about how they're acting on Trump's will. They're doing things on behalf of the president, that they are there because he told them to be there. It's not just that one can trace like a causal pathway. It's that the rioters themselves said that it's because of Trump that they were there, that they were acting on his behalf. What does the president's defense team counter-argue? Are you familiar with the word whataboutism? <laughs> sure, yeah. This, this phrase, which originated in the Cold War, basically, when you're invoking a bad thing that somebody else does, to distract from the obviously indefensible behavior that your side is doing. It originated in the Cold War because the Soviets would do this all the time to counter American arguments about uh, atrocities they were committing against their own people. And I went on this extended digression about the Cold War because it's actually the main argument that was presented 
by Trump's impeachment lawyers. It was that other people used language that was kind of like Trump's, and especially Democrats did that. And there weren't any riots, and nobody got mad at them, and no one tried to kick them out of public office. Therefore, why should you be doing the same thing to Trump? This was like the former president told his followers to fight, and here's a clip of Vice President Harris using the word fight in a political speech. It literally was like that. And of course, the Democrat House managers know that the word fight has been used figuratively in political speech forever. It's best to listen to them. We've got to keep fighting and keep focused. We will fight when we must fight. We've been fighting, so we need to fight, but we also need to fight. Their argument is any political rhetoric that uses the word fight must be metaphorical, which is a very silly argument, right? Sometimes people in political rhetoric are calling for actual violence, or at the very least, are speaking in such a situation when where metaphorical language could be interpreted as literal, regardless of intent, and they need to be more careful about what they're saying. Whichever one you think Trump was, the end result indicates that he was, in fact, playing with fire. So a very strong argument made by impeachment managers against the former president, a very weak argument made by his defense team. What's the final vote? It is a 57-43 vote to acquit. 57 to 43 means that the majority voted in favor. A historic majority. Yes, in fact, it's historic. It's the most bipartisan ever. Um, You had seven Republicans defect, and yet it still wasn't close to enough. How come? The simple answer is partisanship. Republicans have a variety of reasons why they don't want to break with Trump. A lot of people who are on the Republican side are worrying about them being replaced by uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene type, a true believer. And there are some of those in the Senate too, or at least you you think there might be, people who really genuinely believe what Trump is saying. And then another rationale is not so much fear of primary concerns as it is viability in one's own primary bid in 2024 to run the Republican ticket. And so you've got people like uh, Josh Hawley and Ted Cruz and Tom Cotton who are united by the fact that they want to be president one day. And... To do that, they need to court the Trump vote, and courting the Trump vote means not voting to convict. Well, let's talk about members of his party who perhaps voted with their conscience instead of making a nakedly political move here. Who are the seven? Some of them are familiar. So you've got Mitt Romney, who voted to convict Trump the last time. Then you have uh, Susan Collins from Maine and Lisa Murkowski from Alaska, both of whom are, are known to be much more moderate than the rest of the Republican Senate caucus. Ben Sass from Nebraska, who is like trying to build his brand as a thoughtful Republican. Pat Toomey from Pennsylvania, who's very conservative. But Toomey was very offended by the way that Trump impugned the integrity of the Pennsylvania political system. See, one of the problems is the campaign officials, they go on TV and they make all kinds of um, shocking allegations of fraud. Then they go into a courtroom where There are consequences for lying to a judge. Right. And they don't make those allegations anymore. Then you've got Richard Burr from North Carolina, who was a real surprise. He actually voted to say the trial was unconstitutional itself, but then said, look, once we've determined that this trial is constitutional, I had to listen to the evidence. And once I listened to the evidence, then Trump should have been convicted. Burr said in part, quote, the evidence is compelling that President Trump is guilty of inciting an insurrection. Therefore, I have voted to convict. And then the last one, who's surprising on a number of levels, is Senator Bill Cassidy from Louisiana, 
Cassidy is running for re-election. He's up again in 2026, which means he's, he's very vulnerable to a primary challenge on these grounds. And in a surprise vote, basically saying he was persuaded by the case that House Democrats made. And it's like, it's odd, right, to hear a senator saying that their vote was actually grounded in what happened on the Senate floor. What an inspiration. Yeah, it's, it's kind of nice and refreshing. But it, it almost seems like that's what actually happened. Like, he's not just making stuff up, but it's serious. He believes it. Now, if I'm an impartial juror, and one side's doing a great job, and the other side's doing a terrible job on the issue at hand, as an impartial juror, I'm going to vote for the side that did the good job. And how's that working out for the Republican senators who may be surprised their states, their constituents, with a vote against the former president? Well, for three out of the seven, Romney, Murkowski, and Collins, you just like kind of don't really expect that much would happen, and it hasn't so far, because this is what people expect from them. So those three look to be pretty safe. Uh, then you have Pat Toomey, who's retiring, so it's possible that the Pennsylvania Republican Party doesn't really care. And then for the remaining three, they've all been censured, either by the state Republican Party or by a county-level Republican Party in their home state. The state and local-level Republican parties are sending a clear signal that they are still very much on the Trump train. That was an excerpt of Today Explained. To hear the whole enchilada and others like it, check out Today Explained wherever you check out your podcasts. 